and welcome to Head Boss in Charge. Hey! Hey! What up, what up? Hey! Hey! hey. <laughs> um, I'm going to start off by saying Happy Black History Month. What, what? We are here. We are queer and black. Right. Get used to it. <laughs> um, yes. You do it, you don't have to. Um, so, Paul, how you bossing? I don't know why I'm so loud. Paul, how you bossing? Because <laughs> they can't hear you. Okay, right? <laughs> I'm bossing all right. Um, nothing really too new going on. Um, this week was kind of the longest week that I've had in a while. For, I mean, yes, for a few reasons. Um, I'm a little understaffed, and you know, I, I just closed some offers for new positions on my team. Um, but I don't know. It was just one of those weeks that just n- did not seem to want to end. And now it's Friday, and we're here. But, yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm just like, January's over, so now I'm really in the groove of 2018, whether I like it or not. Um, I'm trying to get my side hustles in gear. I'm, I've been going on to some auditions um, for some shows. Okay. And then still doing the dancing thing. I'm actually choreographing um, this wedding couple's, uh, or, or a couple's wedding dance. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's this gay couple. They want to do something fun and cheesy. Um, they chose Love on Top by Beyonce. Okay, appropriate. Um, they're getting married in Hawaii in October. And they are go- they're going to do this routine to kind of open the reception for that night. Okay, that's cute. So, yeah, but I worked with them just for a week so far. We're going to have rehearsal like every other week. Are they bringing um, you out to the wedding? Uh, no, but they're paying for these oh. rehearsals, okay, which well, is what hey. I care about. Okay, right. <laughs> so, yeah, just uh, nothing nothing too extreme is going on, and, you know, it wasn't the worst week ever, but, you know, it's just so-so. Okay. How are you, Boston? I'm tired as hell. Um, I am glad that we are out of January, um, but I, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I am blessed to have... I've been presented with an opportunity at um, work and have started to fully engage in that, which it has been a blessing thus far. I can't really complain, um, but when we get into the next part of the show, you'll hear some of my complaints as I say I can't complain. <laughs> um, but it is just, I feel like I have used my brain each moment of the day when I have been at work. Well, it's about damn time um, you start using that brain. Shut the know. hell up. Um, so, dramatic, <laughs> dramatic extra. Um, yeah, it's just been, I feel like I've been working hard to start to get stuff in order and try to figure out how I'm going to organize all of this, these new responsibilities for this temporary amount of time. So, I am blessed and highly favored, but I, my brain is tired. Um, and so I am looking forward to a little bit of downtime. Today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about, um, take this title however you want, basically stuff or shit that we're not here for, period, but because it's Black History Month, it's shit we're not here for in this here Black History Month of 20 and the 18. So we're just going to talk about a few things I think we have experienced either this year or over the, over the last few months, whatever the case may be. So it's a little bit of a rant session. I'm sure lots of our listeners will be able to relate to stuff and be like, me too. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, so I got a few things. that just been on my heart, if you will. Um, <laughs> Give me a testimonial. Okay. Hey! Oh! Okay, so I was about to start shouting. Let me stop. So I'll start, because I got a list of about four different things. So stuff I'm not here for. People who lie in meetings. Like, they lie. They don't tell the truth. They are lying. Um, <laughs> Sorry, and- that's... <laughs> <laughs> So specific. It is. I, I'm thinking of like three people um, and three what distinct are, lies. What are these people lying about? That they have done particular pieces of their work and you know the shit is not done. That they have sent emails and you're supposed to be on the email and you know you haven't gotten anything because you're sitting there with your laptop open. Um, or they're talking about how great something is, like how great a relationship is or a working you know, partnership and you know it's not. And like the boss knows that it's not. This is you know. This is happens all over the place. Every place and every job that I've worked in, I've worked in environments. So this is not necessarily specific to this particular um, role that I'm in right now. But it happens. Like people lie, and I'm not quite sure where they. Number one, that they think that everyone else around them is dumb, and that like everybody's email is down. I used to work with an individual who always had email problems, and I said. There ain't that many email problems in the world. There just aren't. And why are you, of like the 30 of us, the only one with email problems, but yet you sporadically respond to some of them? I've never heard of email problems before, period. Dude, I'm like, sir, because it was a gentleman, sir, you need to start over with your email then. Because you have more problems than the Lord allowed, as my mom would say. (laughs) Ain't that many problems. Stop lying. (laughs) If you didn't do it, like... Just say, I didn't get a chance to do it, or can we talk about that now? Or can you send that to, don't send me, don't send a follow-up email to that, but can no. we talk about it now? Because <laughs> right. you're going to be like, I didn't get it. Um, but yeah, so like people who lie, um, specifically in meetings, because it's like a public setting, mm-hmm. and then you're looking around, or I know I have a few people that sometimes when I'm in meetings, I look around and be like, we both know this bitch is lying. But okay, we just gonna play along like we don't know. Uh-huh. Um, and then people telling themselves in the lie. So they're, they're going through the lie. But then there's this real elaborate story about X, Y, and Z. And you're like, you, the answer was a yes or no. <laughs> right. <laughs> you gave me all the answers. So then I know that you're lying. Because uh-huh. you're hoping that you talk so long that nobody has a chance to ask you questions about this because we got to go on to the next agenda item. So... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not here for that. It is annoying and frustrating, and it's unprofessional, and it's really, it's childish is what it is. So, there's that. (laughs) Your experience, somebody that, you Um, know they're lying, like, fact, it's a lie? I mean, the only kind of lie I can think of is, you know, maybe if they're trying to uh, state some facts that are not really facts, you know, maybe we're having some sort of you know, uh, analytical discussion or philosophical discussion and trying to figure out next steps. And I hate people who, um, like, claim points or facts that are not really facts. That's <laughs> like, um, okay, I'm going to have to do some fact-checking on this um, because where, where did you read that? Right. What book is that in? Like, and they can't remember the book or the author <laughs> right. or what article they read it in. They just make these grandiose yeah. gestures or statements that... Don't make sense. Yeah. That's really the only lie I can think of in meetings. Okay. 
Now you're gonna start paying attention to it. I know now. Is this true? (laughs) Am I the only one who sees this as okay? Um, But yeah, it's unfortunate that folks go to that level. Um, But yeah, I've seen it more than it's than one should ever see it in a professional setting. I I feel like in my work setting, like we're so we're pretty honest, like. Yeah, we didn't get to it because of A, B, and C. Right. So we're just going to be open about it. Like, yeah. I don't see any reason why we should lie. Well, I think the thing that people don't realize is that, like, you gain so much more respect when you are like, you know what, I didn't get a chance to do it, but this is my plan. Can I have a little bit more time? Rather than, like, you fumbling over the lie. Like, be yeah. honest. You're not going to get to everything. A supervisor knows that. A colleague knows that. But if you communicate, like, you know what, I didn't get to it. I haven't had a chance to read that. And then, you know, get it actually in your priority list to follow up and follow through with that. And I feel like people respect that so much more when you can own the shit that you haven't done Mm -hmm. or that you've made a mistake on rather than trying to, like, push it under the rug and say you did it. And then we all know that you didn't. So, yeah. Yeah. Grow up. Shit. (laughs) So, um, something I am no longer here for is... Ugh, the first black man, insert blank. The first black oh woman, insert blank. And really with any race, but I'm going to focus on black. I'm just like, it is 2018. We st- like, so most recently, uh, Sterling K. Brown won the Oscar. For, I mean, not Oscar, the Golden Globe mm-hmm. for Best Actor or Supporting Actor. And the, to- and the, and the Best Actor. And I could have sworn he actually already won that award in the the past, (laughs) or someone else did. But I was like, really? In 2018, he was the first black man to win that category? Still? I'm just getting tired of... Like, it's it's great to celebrate and put into people's faces, you know? But it's just like... like, Really? Really? There's probably a whole bunch of other, like... There hasn't been a black person yet. Things that we're gonna find out and be like, for real? Right, and 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 that's it. It's not ca- one. Right, <laughs> not one. And that was the first example of like one that I thought was this is a common category. I feel mm-hmm. like, at, you know, at least for black men, I thought maybe we had at least gotten one other award in the yeah. past, like Denzel, like <laughs> something. <laughs> I'm like that's my default. I'm like you know Denzel, <laughs> Idris Elba, like. Right. Not none of them. Will Smith. Will Smith is a crossover, basically. So <laughs> right. like, not even him. Not even him. So oh I'm just for where I'm at in my life and just for what year it is, it's just sad that we still have to keep track of the first the first. Yeah. Right. Um Yeah, do you have anything to say um, about No, I agree. I didn't forgot about that, but every time I hear it or see it, I'm like, really? And then I'm like, are they for real? And then I'm like, like Google it. You Google like, I was like, no, there hasn't been someone else. I'm like, wasn't there such and such? <laughs> nope. Yeah. Not that it, one either. I mean, it's just like, maybe we need to focus on the things we, ha- we haven't done yet and try, to, and try to just go for everything all yeah. at once because this is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I can't. I forgot about that. that was a, that's a really good one because I totally yeah. forgot about that. But I'm still like, every time someone says it, the first such and such, I'm like, in like all these years in this country, we ain't not one. Right. Not Can we have one? Mm-hmm. Will there be one? If we go in church, <laughs> will there be one to join? Um, oh. 
Um, let me see. I've been doing like the church finger with like a colleague of mine. And I don't even know why. Like he had to step in a meeting once. Like at, uh, the other day, he stepped in and did the church finger, like to try to creep into the meeting. And I knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. And then afterward, he was like, "I don't know why I did that. I'm pretty sure none of the people in this room. Know what like, you did the church finger finger because you're trying to creep in. Like, shh, you don't see me because I have my finger up. Um, but yeah. Let's see, another one I have, stuff I'm not here for. Um, I'll kind of amend my list a little bit. Um, folks who squander opportunities that are given to them, um, either if they earn them and they're given an opportunity for something and they squander it. So hmm. I, will, I will use myself as an example of not squandering an opportunity. So this is, um, so right now I'm in an interim, just moved into an interim role, but I have had previously had interim roles. Um, and I feel like, it's really a long ass job interview. Like if I am given an interim opportunity, my job is to fuck it up, fuck it up, you know, in a good way. Um, and like show that if this is an opportunity that's going to come in, like you should hire me because I'm already doing X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Um, but when, and sometimes that sometimes it depends on if someone earns an opportunity versus if someone is just given an opportunity. You know what I mean? I don't know how, um, people respond differently or it seems that people may respond differently if they are like they look around and like they're like well I think this person can do it until they're given it they give it to them as opposed to you work hard you bust your ass and you earn it and you you know kind of put yourself out there and be like I'm I'm interested in this I I want to advance how do we get you know me in a position to do that so I'm not here for people who squander opportunities for those who are working hard for things so it's really disappointing when um either either a work situation or, or any think of any opportunity that somebody has to shine at something and then they just kind of piss it away Um, or they don't do the things to learn and grow, seek feedback, make adjustments based on that feedback and really find a way to get better in it. Um, so I'm not here for people who do that because you're taking away from opportunity, an opportunity from someone who really wants it and will fight for it and will like, you know, nudge and push their way into it to try to make a space and a name for themselves. So I, I love when people take advantage of an opportunity like that and really shine and really start to do something with it and make a name for themselves an organization, whatever the case may be. But I love when people take that and they run with it. Cause they're like, this is my chance. Mm-hmm. This is me. You know, I get to do this interview and I get to practice this whole, this for however long I'm in this kind of temporary or interim thing. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I love when I was doing HR work, I loved working with the temporary staff because you knew they wanted it. Um, because, uh, typically at the end there was like maybe one or two positions that were going to be open and you know those temporary folks were working so hard because they want to be viable for those one there's maybe uh, 10 or 15 like in a like I was working with uh, custodians for example at the end of the summer we knew there was going to be two openings yeah. there are 15 employees and you knew the people who were working hard they would come in early they would stay late they're like doing everything by the book and they're taking advantage of the opportunity that's in front of them and then, the, you know, we're hiring two of those. And you see who has worked for it. Um, and I loved doing that kind of work and seeing people really rise to the occasion. Hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, that, for me at least, that's... I don't really know of any other way to do it. Like, it's right. very foreign to me to think of people who... Or to even fathom the concept of being uh, being given an opportunity and squandering it. Like, I, I always take advantage of everything. I surround myself with people who... 
take advantage of opportunities and run with it. It's mm-hmm. just in my DNA. That's just what we do. Yeah. Um, I think the opposite of what you described are people who are just entitled. Yeah. <clears throat> you know? Ooh, yes. Yeah. Um, see, that's why I think there's a difference between like when you earn it versus when it's given to you. So really mm-hmm. falls into that piece. So um, I'm not here for people who squander those things um, that are given to them especially. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, something I'm not here for anymore are reboots. I'm really, really tired of reboots, <laughs> and I don't see it. Okay, reboot. I thought you meant, like, it was coming. I'm thinking of, like, who and stuff that's coming back, but the reboot with the new cast and stuff. Like, yeah, reboots of old sitcoms and television shows. I just heard a couple things this week that... Martin, the Martin show. Okay, I'm about to backhand you. I knew you were going to say that, and I was like, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. I'm I'm here for it. I'm just like, leave it alone, because these people are older. I think the context of of the world that we live in is different. I think the comedy is not going to translate the same way. I think some writers may be able to do it just right. But I think... Why are you going to start off with Martin, though? But I I think a lot of these shows, like Full House... Okay, that was dumb. That was a dumb one. Full House, I should say. Or, I mean, I love Will and Grace, and I'm just watching it just to support. But <laughs> but it, it's what it comes off as, all these shows that have success... Like, Roseanne, I guess, is going to come back. Yeah. Like, I... Um, what else? Um, what house has come back already? Um, I don't know. It's that and also these reunion tours of all these music groups, of these tired boy groups. I want to see you... If Wait, you're gonna, you want to see Day 26? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> If you're going to go on stage and do reunion tour, either give me that energy that you had back in the day when you could dance. Otherwise, don't show me your tired asses looking like, okay, we can't do it like we used to, huffing and puffing on stage. Like, And don't make new music on top of that because we want the old music. We want to, like, don't ruin your legacy. Yeah. So going back to the TV shows for a quick second, though, is... I, it, what it looks like is just grown-ass people who are uh, n- really nostalgic and they want another paycheck. And um, I think these business moves are definitely selfish. I don't think it's really about the fans because I, some, of the, some of these ratings aren't doing so well. I think they're really just in it because they see all these younger people, these younger movie stars and TV stars making money and doing all of this. Like, it's just... I, I'm just... I just like to keep pushing forward, and I'm still, um, uh, you know, longing for original content. Like, I yeah. still want that. I don't want all my television shows to be what it was, you know, back in the day in the 90s. Like, it's 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 cute once in a while, but I think we're kind of taking it a little over, like, I think it's been five years now since we started these reboot conversations. I think we're getting a little carried away. Um... First of all, in terms of music artists, she's not doing a reboot, but she is doing a farewell tour, Anita Baker. Um, do you know Anita Baker? Yeah. I was like, please tell me you know Anita Baker. <laughs> this show is over. Thank you for your time. Farewell tour? Yeah. So she is retiring. Oh. Um, and That's I'm waiting her. for her shows to be announced in California because I That's I must go. Um, but I'm here for some of the reboots. Uh, if they did a living single reboot, here for it because it was short lived, too short lived, uh, and it ended abruptly, in my opinion. So if well, let's specify, the same cast. so reboot. So there are reboots with the same cast and reboots with a different cast. Yeah. Like for example, 
boy meets girl or girl yeah. meets world they did a reboot but it was like a different cast oh really yeah i didn't watch it yeah boy meets world turned into a girl meets world okay. um where according to panga were the parents right okay that's a raven she has a um i heard about show, that but, I didn't watch but it. where her and chelsea are the parents and now they have kids that can like see the future um, I, if, out of my time if, um, if there is a reboot, I rather see the, the same people. I don't want to see a younger, more modern day version of what no, the show no, used no, to be. No. I, I don't want that, but it is an option. So I just yeah. want to put that out there. Yeah. That, same cast living single. Yeah. All same cast. <sighs> but the thing is, is that it, it's just, uh, it doesn't come off the same way. Cause a lot of the, the well, I'm not saying do the same like episodes, like modernize it. And I think that those like that that show specifically can be shit. That stuff was relevant now. Like the stuff that they talked about. If you if you watch, yeah, it, it's still uh, relevant now. Single. But the thing, but their stories and the things that they um, got into were very applicable for the age that they were in. Yeah, I don't see what the what they could do in. Oh my gosh, you know, there's so much they could do. I'm not even gonna get into that. So give I me mean, a reboot. Of my thing is like, there's cast. so many great shows right now that are doing those things that those shows did in the past that they're doing even better it's just like why do we want to put something back on tv that's not going to really add to culture you know well to you it may not add culture but that's that was my like youth and that was my like yeah and it added 20 something so but i'm here for that that. i'm here for that i'm i can't there's a level of like not being able to relate with some of the content the language i was gonna say eating tide pods whatever that people are doing now. Trust me, just, I know you've heard about the Tide Pod thing. No, I haven't. Oh my god, are you kidding me? That um, I can't remember the age group, but it's like tweens and teenagers are eating Tide Pods as a challenge right now. Why? Like the dry, the washer things. With I know the what orange. they are. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. So those, those things, like, I can't believe you haven't heard about that. No. All right, but yes, I, I, I literally think they're discontinuing to make the actual Tide Pods because... <laughs> Uh, people are eating them and it's a challenge like on the internet. It's so That's stupid. so dumb. Yeah. But like but now there's a warning label on like do not eat. This is for like cleaning so clothes dumb. only. So dumb. Um, but yeah, so I want to see things like in people that I grew up seeing um, in a different light because the way that they may deliver a message might be different. Okay, So there that. are some reboots that I am here for. Not all of them. So. Right. But... I guess the point I'm trying to make is that, yes, it would be interesting to see how they would interpret new topics in a different stage of their life. But I'm also, th- I'm just thinking about content from like an industry perspective. I just think there's so many other things achieving those things that we are hoping that those old shows would achieve in a current context. And I'm just like, let's let's do new content. I And if those actors and actresses want to be back in the game, then create new shows and Go on auditions and do something. Like, I, I think it's lazy to just like, oh, let's let's just rest on our laurels from this great TV show and try to you know remake it for a new context. That's just my opinion. I will let I, you I have think that. it's resting on laurels. I think it's lazy. I will I, let you have that. As a creative, I just really like, and television has been so fucking amazing in the past ten years. Um, I just think it's lazy when we keep doing reboot after reboot after reboot. So, same thing with music. Like, I think, um, I, I'm like a little okay with sampling, but I think sampling is getting a little too much. Mm-hmm. And I also think sampling is lazy when you, a, a lot of hip hop songs right now are sampling songs from the 90s. And the, the, you know, the, the old school rappers are definitely loving that though, because they think it's proof that 
the current generation of musicians don't know how to um, create new music and mm-hmm. that they were the originators, yeah. right, of hip-hop. Um, I, I just think this whole nostalgia, the reboot, the sampling, the reunion this, I think it happens in every generation, but I think it's a, it's, it's defined this decade to a point where it's not even unique because mm. everything is borrowed. Yeah. So. Well, for the most part, I think everything was borrowed anyway. We just may not I mean, have this been. this is America. True. Um, we may just not have been exposed to something at that time, but I don't I, I tend to be the, like, nothing is old, nothing is new. Everything is just a recycled version of something that was previously there. And we may or may not know what that previous thing was, but somebody out there knows. They're like, oh, this was a part of this. This was a part of that. So, yeah. um, let's see. stuff. Other stuff I'm not here for. Um, and I am, you know, like, 24-7, I'm about this. Um, complaining about something, a thing, a situation, and doing nothing to change the situation. Mm. Um, so oh my gosh, that goes, <laughs> that goes in so many forms of life. It's like a constant complaint. Um, and I have real challenges when people are constantly complaining about something and they don't do anything to try to, to change the situation that they're in. Um, that is really frustrating to me. So I will, I would use myself as an example. Um, cause I, I tried to do this with myself and then I had to get myself together real quick. Um, so as I mentioned in the last show, I went to Hawaii. This is going to be, this is slightly vulnerable, uh, whatever. Um, went to Hawaii, had a bang up time. Um, shout out to the bras that went with us. And um, I ate my way through the island. So I picked up a smooth several pounds while I was gone. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I ate my way through and drank okay. my way through the island. I <laughs> um, had a great time. Yeah. But then I need I needed to come back and do a reset because I was complaining. I was like, ooh, my pants don't fit right. Ooh, this shirt is a little snugger right here. And then I was like, then I had complained to myself like three or four days. And I was like, wait a minute. I have control over changing this situation. And I know how to change the situation because I've done it before. So I hopped back on. Um, so you can hold me accountable, listeners, whatever. Um, so I hopped back on Weight Watchers. Because that's something that works for me. It feels like a pyramid scheme, whatever the fuck. Um, it worked for my first really dramatic weight loss of like 45 pounds. And I know that it works because I really respond to structure and accountability in that way. And seeing that little scale or the little um, graph go down, that works for me. I am motivated by seeing that and, it, and I feel better. Um, and so I, had to, I knew there was something I could do that was it's the beginning of the year. So it was cheap as hell. Um, and it works for me. And I know it works for me. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I, I was trying, I was starting to get into that cycle of complaining about something that I have absolutely complete troll, control over. Um, and there's some things that you don't have control over, but you have control over how long you stay in a situation um, and or how you respond to said situation. Because exactly. um, you may not be able to get out of it out of the, the immediate, but I think there are times when we can get ourselves caught up and be like, I'm stuck. And then we just stay stuck and stay complaining. And those conversations are really draining to me because I don't, I'm a natural kind of like want to be a fixer and help talk things out. And I get really frustrated when I hear the same thing over again. And so then I start to do like, well, what you going to do? Mm-hmm. And I just get to look, what you going to do? <laughs> what you going to do when you can't say no? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like, if you have the ability, we all have the ability to adjust and make changes they may not be the exact things or the speed that you want them to, but we have the ability to create and make change in our lives. And so 
when there's the complaining, like that's that's a that's a hard space for me to be in with somebody because I'm like, do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm not here for that. I've never been here for that because I find it frustrating. Um, and I even like I said with with myself, like I'll have the dialogue with myself of like, bitch, why are you complaining? Like you can change. Like you can move. You can do whatever. You're not mm-hmm. planted. You're not in any sort of indentured servitude. You can make a change. So right. do that. Yeah, I I think some people who find themselves in those kind of uh, complaining like whirlwinds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also too. I, I notice in like friendships that it's people who are just looking for blind attention Mm -hmm. uh they just want someone to say oh we'll be okay or to like hand them the solution yeah um they just love that attention they just complain about situations they definitely have the power to change just because they're looking for attention and that's a Mm -hmm. whole different category yeah um and i I would say that's the primary uh example for me of how i've seen it manifest itself yeah yeah so that's the thing that i'm I'm not here for Mm -hmm. and yeah. So, um, this was the last one I kind of thought of in advance, but the I'm not here for, at least in 2018 and the future, are hashtag campaigns. <laughs> You're going to laugh a little later in the show. Like, I'm, I'm okay with the hashtag and, like, jokes and things like that, but, like, hashtag campaigns for political movements... Uh, give me an example. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say the most obvious one, but, like... Hashtag pray for yeah. insert you know yeah. tragedy. It's just like it, it's it's just a. I think I've said this on a show before too. It's, it kind of go alongs go alongs with um, along with alongs. Oh. It goes along with uh, changing your profile photo. Oh, um, and doing like like the. Uh, what is it? The red, blue, and white like uh, overlay. <laughs> overlay. Oh my god! It, all these yeah. things. The but, temporary. But it, it just uh, it just gives people the satisfaction of saying they participated in something yeah. when you really didn't do anything. Yeah. Like social media can only take a movement so far. Mm-hmm. I think it has a huge impact, but I still think we're in the the day and age where being somewhere in person, mm-hmm. putting your money where it counts. Um, uh, protesting, all those physical things we still need to do to show that uh, we care about the issue and to also push for change. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, obviously it's a millennial thing, this whole um, hashtag campaign. I think it can dilute the mm. heaviness of some of the issues. Yeah. So, yes, I'm, you know, most recently Me Too, which yeah. is... Now, I think, has been rebranded, and it might be even the official name of, like, a nonprofit or something like that, or I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Right. Um, But you just have to remember that, you know, even though that helped start the conversation, just know that just because you put hashtag me too and a few words before that doesn't do anything, really. Yeah. It carries it the movement ever so little forward, you know? If that, but I think when you say that, it's part of like a, I need to be outwardly doing something. So when you see the person who always has that filter changed on Facebook or always, they're changing their like um, Twitter like profile thing to like all black or something Mm -hmm. or all this. Um, It's like people need to prove that they're doing something uh, like as an outward display as opposed to like, and I, I tend to be like a, 
you put your head down and you put your you put your time, your money, your energy, your effort on like actually doing the thing. So mm-hmm. if I say I'm committed to issues around food insecurity, then I'm I'm gonna do something about it. I'm not just gonna be like, ooh, food hashtag food insecurity. Like, what am I doing about it? Nothing. There's a hashtag with the like thirty five followers that I have. Hashtag follow me. Um, <laughs> but like, um, how like how is that making any sort of actual change? Right. So like. Yeah, there's awareness is a thing. Absolutely. Awareness is super important. And now what? Like, we're all sitting around with our eyes open and aware. Mm-hmm. And there's no action behind that. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That made me think of the last one. I'll go with the last one. Like, people who are all talking, no action. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here for that. No. Um, I know those people very well. Yeah, me too. Like, always doing something, always about to do this, always mm-hmm. about to get into this, and then ain't, ain't doing or getting into yeah, shit. Yeah, they just want the attention. Yeah, like, always talking this, oh, yeah, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. <laughs> and there's n- never hear anything about it. Like, nope. never, like, oh, look, you know, I didn't get z- a chance to do that. Right? <laughs> just... Okay, I'm why sorry. are you thinking that sent you with, like, scissors? <laughs> and the ghosties are... Z- <laughs> that's all you hear from them that's all you hear right? from them but like all talk and no action like don't talk about be about it like be about that life if you're gonna talk about it so yeah I'm not here for, for about that if, you, if yeah. you're gonna be so bold as to say it and put it out there then do something about it you know what I mean um, where I kind of see this manifest itself at least in my and just what I observe in the social scene is I think People, I, I found it's it's usually the people who don't really have that much depth to them mm-hmm. <laughs> who are using those opportunities as a way to, well, opportunities meaning they're they're doing the talk but not yeah. the walk. And they're saying that they do all this stuff to validate something that's really not really of their true being. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of fake people out there yeah. um, who I think, you know, we're talking about social politics, we're talking about you know, raising awareness, all these things yeah. are hot button topics and, yeah. you know, people want to feel like they have something con- to contribute yeah. to that movement, mm-hmm. but unfortunately they don't. Yeah. They're just, they're just talking the talk, but not, they're, but they're yeah. not walking the walk. And some people aren't even, don't even know what the talk is. Let's just find out so often that people are saying these things and talking about this and they don't have any depth to like what the actual issue is. So if you were to actually ask them a question about it, they're doing all this talking, but ain't saying shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Gum smacking and have nothing <laughs> literally to say. So I think that's one of the other the challenging pieces I find with the the um, doing all this talking and no action. It's like the 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 most highest of surface levels. Yeah. Because if if you try to dig a little deep. Oh, I didn't read that article. I didn't. Well, I don't actually know. I just saw the hashtag. <laughs> right. You know, I, just, I retweeted, and so like <laughs> that's exactly your <laughs> face. Like dive deeper. Like I'm not saying you got to like Wall Street Journal that bad boy and get into the depths and like look at the actual sources and follow up on those, but read a few things about it. Like most articles nowadays online, there's hyperlinks in there. Those color words in there. It's oh, a really? Link. That's yes. what they do? It's, if it's underlined, oh, they've been giving you a one-up. Hyperlinks. Click on that. Hold it down and open it in another tab so you don't lose the first one. So, like, you know, uh, oh. life hack. But, yeah, I'm just, I'm floored at the amount of people who aren't able to actually talk about those things mm-hmm. as a person who consumes just a lot of information just generally. 
um, I'll be like, oh, did you this, 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 this. Oh, and because I know I do that with you um, when I'm sending you all this stuff. Like, did you hear about this? Did you read about this? And these are the six other things that go along with that. Yeah. segment um ask a boss i remember if you have any questions for us email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com shamina what do you have for us this week so we've got a fun one and a serious one serious question mark upward inflection so we'll do the fun one first so if you could have one artist stop by your house to sing to you right now who would you pick and why um, well, I think there's an obvious answer <laughs> to, and it's something that involves a musical artist, but I'm actually going to say Solange. Okay. I would have her come by and sing okay. to me right now. Um, well, one, um, I'm still obsessed with the seat at the table. Mm. Um, and I saw her in concert and I think with being at Black History Month, I think the music and the lyrics are ever so fitting for the, the theme of the month um and i think she could help me uh, sing me to sleep tonight (laughs) um she wouldn't break she wouldn't break any noise violations because she has a soft voice i don't think beyonce could really um (laughs) beyonce would be a little too loud for this apartment but um no it'd be solange um i just um, you know, she would just sing sweet nothings in my ear and help me feel less stressed about the, well, decrease my anxiety, um, that I have every day just living as a black man, so. Okay. Um, I think we were both going to default to, um, Queen Bee, but <laughs> I, the, the next one that I thought of right after that was an artist that I love. Her name is Avery Sunshine. Um, she is a black artist, probably somewhere late thirties, early forties. Um, she does kind of that, um, real soulful music. So think of like a legacy mm. or, um, even like a Fantasia, but not as loud. Um, uh, or like a real, um, right? um uh, a ballady Jennifer Hudson, but again, not as loud. <laughs> Uh, love Shade. all of them. Right, no, we love them. Um, just... But she also does some gospel stuff, too. And I every time that she comes to the Bay Area, I have to go and see her perform. Um, she just has... Um, I kind of describe her voice like um, warm chocolate cake. Ooh. And I don't even like chocolate cake. What? I know. I don't really like what? chocolate. Um, but, but that is a very... Yeah, I want to like, hear what that t- tastes like. Like, I just love the way that she sounds. And her concerts are fun. And they're usually in, like, smaller venues. And she can sing. Like, she can sing soprano, alto, tenor, bass. Like, she has range. Um, she is funny. She is beautiful. Um, she is a black woman. That sounded like a poster. She is funny. She is beautiful. She's a black woman. Uh, but I just... I love seeing her. And that's an artist that I have to see every time that she is in the Bay Area, be it um, San Francisco, Sacramento, Oakland. Like, I will make it a point to absolutely see her. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. 
that warm chocolate milk sound or mm-hmm. the chocolate milk chocolate cake. Yeah, it's just mm, I want something with that now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, okay, and so the second question that got me caught up. Um, caught up. Uh, used to so because I have the hut of a very churchy song because I'm thinking of Avery Sunshine. Caught up to meet him in the air, but anywho, um, the second question is. If you go back in time and fight any racist figure throughout history, who would you fight? So I don't and really... And it doesn't necessarily have to be one individual. Like, it can yeah. be, like, if they're in a... I... And this is fighting as in fist fight? Yes. Because <laughs> fight with words is only going to do so much. Right. Um, I don't condone... Neither one of us condone, like, physical fighting. No. But for the purposes of this question, we're going to whoop ass. So this is a hard question because I don't spend my time remembering the names of mm-hmm. racist people. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but I would fight the person who bought the first black slave. <laughs> That's I don't, so not funny. I don't know who That's that so is. real. I would fight that person. I don't know who it is, but whoever put their money down to fight to purchase the first... Black slave, I would fist fight. Wow. I can really appreciate that response. Yes, I would be in that tussle as well. I will join you in that. Thanks. Um, there's probably like a drunk history episode with that first person, that na- person's name in it. <laughs> I'm waiting for that. Oh, Mommy. I heard Tiffany Haddish did a Oh my gosh, stop. It's funny. Okay, I need um, to watch it. Not as funny as Crystal's, but it's still funny nonetheless. Yeah. Um, so I, um, I couldn't think of a person and I had trouble narrowing it down. Um, so I I think a few episodes ago, I think I talked about it on the show. Um, there, yeah, cause it was a head bitch of mine. Um, there were some engineers and some, um, like city council people in the state of New York, specifically New York city who designed bridges so that, um, people of color essentially could not get to, um, kind of some of the outer areas and the beaches and whatnot. Um, so oh. they designed um, bridges so that they were lower. Um, because think of back in the, the 30s and the 40s, for the most part, people of color did not have cars. So the way that they got around would, would be via bus. Mm-hmm. But they made the bridges so low that buses couldn't fit there. And it was such a long kind of travel and road across the, the, um, the water on the bridge that it was too far to walk. That's and a bus so. couldn't get across. So there, ergo... Black people and people of color would not be able to go to beaches and some of those other islands. Um, and it's still reflective today as you see some of the populations of those um, kind of island towns that are a little bit on the outskirts. Um, you won't see lots of people of color there because they don't have roots there as a family. Um, so uh, I would fight those people. Um, I would also fight, there's a few people that I would, groups that I would fight. Okay. Um, there was, so there's an internet a web series by this guy named Adam. It's like Adam Knows Everything. Okay. And he really simply explained like redlining and like housing discrimination hmm. and how um, uh, banks and government folks were basically in each other's pockets to not give loans, like a specific kind of loan to people of color, namely black people, right. um, so that they couldn't afford houses in these areas and then they would work in the government system to restructure districts. Um, and that's kind of how, the like, if you think of like being on the other side of the tracks, that's kind of how that worked uh-huh. because people were, they weren't given loans, so what they could afford was on the other side of the track and not on the nice side of the neighborhoods. Um, and then I would also fight, lastly, lots more people, but lastly, um, the folks who, um, and I think part of this is like, 
it has to be a combination of like government folks, um, like city council people, mayors, etc., and um, the engineers and companies that work for them who um, intentionally um, basically uh, uh, bulldoze through like black neighborhoods to build highways and freeways and malls. So this happened in a number of a number of places. Oklahoma has happened in Texas, and this was years ago. But basically, if you if you look back on maps before some of these larger freeways in these major cities existed, they essentially were black neighborhoods. Yeah. And so this is a way. This was a way for the government to kind of bulldoze and interrupt and push black folks out of kind of the central pieces of those major cities onto the outskirts. Because when you lose housing, you're going to find housing that's going to be affordable for you. And they push those way out to, they're not even the burbs, they're more of like the rural, more rural areas. And those were ways that they were pushing um, folks out of those areas. So it's still happening. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll try to get some links so that we can put some of those so you can see and you can see that um, Adam Knows Everything episode, it's on YouTube. But I was like, damn, I didn't know that that was how that happened, but I would fight all three sets of those people because those are systemic ways that people are doing that mm-hmm. that seem um they seem fine because you're like you're doing you putting in rows yeah. you're you know doing you know housing it's, loans it's and so things like shady. this but it's this real insidious way of getting in to um disrupt and interrupt black neighborhoods and so we are still on the outskirts of lots of areas because people were pushed out yeah. For things like highways, which are super important, but at the expense of who when they were created. So right. um, I would probably do those. And then I would join you in the fight for the person who b- bought yeah. the first black You're going to be really busy. Yeah, we will. And that's okay. I've been working out. Um, yeah. I have, I have a second degree black belt. So do you really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I did karate for 10 I minutes. thought you were going to say some sort of joke around Black History Month. And I was like, okay, second degree black belt. Me too. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's who... We would fight. We would be very busy. <laughs> Traveling from state to state. Okay, uh, remember to send us your questions um, at headbosspodcast.gmail.com and we'll be right back. <laughs> head boss and I head bitch of the week. Um, I will go first because I think mine are kind of short. Um, I will start with the bitches and end with the bosses because I really like my bosses this week. Um, so bitch to um, 45. Um, I don't know if you read about this, but and I'll just read the caption that I pulled. Um, that Congress voted 517 votes to five oh, to impose sanctions on Russia. 45 decided to ignore that and not do it. Oh. Like, he just didn't do it. Like, saw the vote and was like, okay, thanks for doing that. Um, and then isn't, at present, isn't planning to impose any of those sanctions um, on Russia. But I was like, 517. I was like, but this is your people too. This is the GOP as well. Only five people were like, nah, dude. But like, 517, it doesn't even make sense. Like, is that even oh. a percent of people who voted no? Right. So, it's crazy and ridiculous, and say your goodbyes, because we're near the end. 
So there's that. <laughs> Wave a candle. Right? Say goodbye to your loved ones. So, um, and my second bitch is to, um, there's an article that came out on The Root earlier this week. It's titled, um, Baltimore Cops Kept uh, Toy Guns to Plant Just in Case They Shot an Unarmed Person. So, (laughs) your face was like, wait, what? Um, So, there's a number of corrupt things that have allegedly gone on in the Baltimore police system. It doesn't say which particular, like, neighborhood or precinct because Baltimore is a large city. Um, But uh, there is seemingly credible evidence that um, uh, officers who were in the field were instructed by their supervisor to carry at least one toy gun in their glove compartment in order to, excuse me, plant it in case they get into anything questionable. And I'm like, this is the same place that, uh, was it, Freddie Gray Mm -hmm. was killed in the back, killed, murdered in the back of a van. I don't know who drives the van. Like, I know potholes are terrible, but nobody drives a van that bad. So there must have been something else shady that went on with that. Um, There are also a number of other... Um, shady, terrible, questionable things that have gone on in Baltimore. Um, there's one, um, let's see, a woman who was, in 2011, a 19-year-old woman from the state of New Jersey who was living in Baltimore overdosed, um, and then authorities began tracing back the um, origin of the drugs. It led back to kind of like this drug crew that was connected to a Baltimore police officer and eight people from their gun task force ended up being charged with crimes Mm-hmm. Um, related to that. So Baltimore again. Um, uh, Freddie Gray, we've already said that piece. The part about the planting, the um, having a toy gun in case they get in a quote-unquote in a jam to be able to use. So if you think about, what is that baby's name? Tamir Rice, mm-hmm. um, who was 12 years old. And I think that may have been in uh, somewhere in Ohio, maybe Cincinnati or something along those lines. Um, before, but for allegedly waving around a toy gun, their words, not ours. We saw the video. Um, but I was just floored to read that, um, a toy gun was instruct, people were instructed to have a toy gun that was found in a glove compartment, fact, um, to you, and folks were told to use it in case they got in a jam. I am absolutely floored that that is a thing. I am not surprised, unfortunately. I wish that I was. But I cannot believe um, that that is something that anybody would instruct a law enforcement agent to do and that someone would then feel like they had no choice but to um, carry carry that through and actually do what that officer said. So it makes me concerned about the folks who don't, who don't feel empowered enough to realize that something is wrong and that you, we shouldn't knowingly go along with wrong things. Right. So... That has a lot, that raises a lot of questions and a lot of red flags for me. And it's really disappointing to see that. Um, and we all know that Baltimore in and of itself is a very, like, um, uh, black city, if you will. So there's a lot of black folks there in Baltimore proper and in the adjacent areas as well. So, um, so those are my two head bitches in terms of head boss. So... You mentioned it a second ago, and I won't say any spoilers because it's only like a five and a half minute um, segment. Um, but Tiffany Haddish does her episode on um, drunk history. She's super cute. Like I love her. She's so um, I am. I love seeing her out and about. I can't wait. I'm hoping they do a girls trip too because I probably need to watch Girls Trip One again. 
Um, I've seen her comedy special. She's just like an around the way girl. Her um, her Insta stories are also quite funny as well. Oh, I'm so You follow her on Instagram? No, I don't know why I missed that. Um, so they are good, and I love how real she is and how just she's just like some one of your homegirls that you know. Um, so I love her. Watch that. It's only like I said, it's only like five and a half minutes, um, and it's she's super cute in it. Um, another head boss too. Keep giving it to Shonda Rhimes. Like, mm. this season that she's doing specifically on Grey's Anatomy is touching a, a number of places, like, to the soul. So she did an episode, like, two weeks ago at this point where she had... It was basically around, like, uh, parents telling their black boys that... Basically prepping them for the world that's out there that's not in their favor. And talk about, like, emotion and tearful and gut-riching as... Um, I have nephews and little black boys that I love. And even the ones that I don't know, but that I would check real quick in the grocery store if they start tripping. Um, because <laughs> somebody has to do that. Like, yeah. it takes the village. So, um, but this past episode, let me just say the cultural competency in which she approaches this particular topic with Miranda Bailey, a.k.a. her real name is uh, Chandra Wilson. And you can see, like, if you watch the... Um, the trailer, you will see that she basically goes into an ER and says that she's having, she believes that she's having a heart attack. But the way that Miranda on that show communicates around the idea of being a woman, specifically a woman of color, and having to demand, not just ask for it, but demand to be served and to be listened to. If you have not seen that episode, I don't care if you've never seen Grey's Anatomy before or if yeah, you stopped it's, watching. It's, it's kind of on its own. Yeah, can like watch it as an a independent episode. But like the cultural competency in which she brings these things that are relevant, because there's been a lot in the news recently, specifically around black women, ha- black women having to advocate for themselves to the nth degree. Um, because they're presumed to, we as a black woman are presumed to have a really high threshold of pain and that we may be lying or maybe doing all these things and not really being accurate with the amount of pain that we are experiencing in terms of a medical procedure or the black women that are dying, specifically the black women that are dying shortly after childbirth because they're not being listened to by their medical service providers. The way that she approaches it is fantastic. Oh, it's um, so good. And like... That episode, like, first of all, to be the first episode, like, on February 1st, the first day of Black History Month. Oh, yeah, Month, you're right, yeah. Um, clearly, there's there's no question about, she's on that shit like yeah. that. But just to see the way that she approaches it and the way that that character talks about having to advocate for themselves and spewing facts and statistics specific to um, black women and women of color and even the general gaze of women having to advocate for themselves and push for themselves when they're not getting the things that they need. It's a real lesson in paying attention. And I keep telling people at work, in my life, listen to black women. Like, what the hell? How many things are we getting people out of? In terms of, like, shady shit. Let's not even go into Olivia Pope and Annalise Keating, who both have their own issues on their respective shows. But, like, listen to black women. We are saying things that are important. We're not out here just fooling around and with this tomfoolery shit. But shout out to her for doing um, a phenomenal job in that. And that, my last one is a hashtag, even though you don't like hashtags, whatever. <laughs> I just ran across this one today. And it's hashtag black man smiling. And it just... Warmed my heart to see... Ooh, I was about to get emotional. Let me calm down. Um, Just to see with all the things that we have going against black men and black boys 
to see like like I love that hashtag Black Boy Joy or Black Men Joy, and to see just something as simple as Black men smiling and seeming to have no cares in the world, knowing that they're carrying the weight of the world on their back and people are pushing up against them for no goddamn reason. But just to see something simple as that really brought a smile to my face. So shout out to whoever the first person that did Black Men Smiling. Like, we need to see that. Um, And it's so important. And um, shout out to Black Men for smiling. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was just something so different. And I was like, oh my gosh, this made my heart happy. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, Grey's Anatomy, I've been there since season one yeah. it's always near and dear to my heart and to I know a lot of people fell off after like season six mm-hmm. but it's never dipped like and people are also I think it also like it would dip, maybe dipped a little bit but in the past three seasons it's taken a different tone that really embraces diversity in a different way yeah. I, I think at the beginning of Grey's Anatomy because it was such a it was the first kind of primetime television show with like so many different ethnicities from the main cast of the patients yeah. um, well but, it was well actually it was the second one after ER because if you look at ER there was a lot of diversity uh, in there oh okay I was um, in an ER oh the same slightly different uh, but I, I am yeah. a Julianne Margulies fan so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah so I um, I also read um, that so in a few uh, past few episodes we see the first actual trans male mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, actor on the show, a trans man that's playing a trans man <laughs> um, on the show. Yeah. And then I also, and I think there's the hopes that that person's going to pop up again mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. As, a, uh, as a cast member. But um, the show just signed off on like maybe a three or four episode arc with the trans woman actress. Um, she's very... Um, well known. I I guess this oh, is going to go Candace into Candace Kane. Candace Kane, yes. yes. Um, she is going to um, be on the show as well this season, I think. So I'm just really excited. Um, Shonda always knows what to do. I guess that's my first boss yeah. as well. I'm going to share. I, she a boss stays with you. Boston, so yeah. like, should she just be a staple? <laughs> right. And she knows Oprah. Ugh. Bitch. Okay. So my bitch um, of the week is 45. Um, I unfortunately, I only watched like 20 minutes of the State of the Union um, address this week. I I tuned in towards like the last 30 minutes. Mm. Um, and apparently this is like the second to longest or the longest State of the Union address ever. It was an hour and 20 minutes. What a surprise. And, I did not watch for the um, I queued in on probably the most depressing part of the sh- of the address, which was um, about immigration. And I just, there's a few things. I, I was trying to pick up the temperature of the room. And usually when I tune, in, tune into the State of the Union address, the room is whether, it doesn't matter what party you are in, the room, there's a sense of like community in the room. Like you can sense this is Congress. This is, you know, all the people in government together, mm-hmm. and we are listening to the to the president. Yeah. And it was very much divided. Um, the Democrats did not clap or stand for a majority of the speech. Also, I think Shady Cameraman, <laughs> they were going to some faces. <laughs> I saw some black people like, they were giving some hella side-eye. Everyone in the Democratic Party was giving so much side-eye. It was gold. But it was also like, I watched it and I had a 
pit in my stomach. Like, I was sick earlier this week. I don't know how you watched it to be. I was about to vomit all over again. And it was so somber. It was so dark. It was so kind of like an end-of-the-world tone Mm -hmm. um, because he said everything was such... um, in such an exact kind of um, tone. And, you know, with immigration, he said, we are going to stop. Well, he was blaming all our terrorist attacks on um, immigration and how he said, we are going to uh, put America first. We're going to protect the nuclear family that um, if you immigrate here, that does not mean you get to automatically bring every single family member with you. And if you have kids here, doesn't automatically going to make them, you know, um, yeah. So he basically, um, and that it kind of made me want to cry because, you know, my, um, I have family that's still in Haiti and Mm -hmm. my family Mm -hmm. here in the States is trying so hard to bring them over here because they're going to have a better life. Um, and my mom wants to be, you know, closer to her family. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, that kind of stance is going to prevent people coming together. It's also going to prevent the advancement of America because, yeah. l- let me tell you, of course, America was built on immigrants. Hello. Right? Hello. Hello. Uh, like, blame the person. Stop blaming, putting blanket statements on, you know, Africans and, you know, people from the Middle East. They're not... Obviously, I'm not all terrorists. It's just the, so it's such not even a backwards the mass shootings of this country in the last right. year and some. Who can can you kick out these white people? Who not keep... immigrants. Right. Not a single one has been immigrants. Just I keep seeing ones that with same mental, thing. quote unquote, mental health yeah. issues. Lone rangers, if you will. Right. The, oh, we have to protect our, our. There's nothing to worry about there. We have to protect our country from foreign ter- terrorists. So it was just very sad, very somber, very dark. Um, but I encourage you to listen to um, uh, Congressman Kennedy's um, rebuttal speech. Um, it's short. You can read the transcripts on NPR radio or listen to it on NPR radio. And basically, it gives the Democratic Party a chance to um, hit at some things that yeah. 45 said. And it was, it was uplifting. It, wasn't, it was more of like a feel-good thing. It didn't give me any kind of like concrete action items that they're going to do. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was at least uplifting to hear. So, bitch to 45. As per use. As per use. Should be a standing agenda item. Right. Um, and then my boss... Oh, no, I have another bitch. Yeah, I was like, no, you have another bitch. I know you do. <laughs> my another, other bitch goes to Rose McGowan. So I'm a Charmed fan. Fan. I love Charmed. It's one of my classic television shows. You know, it has, um, of course, Rose McGowan was on it, Alyssa Milano, um, uh, Holly Marie Combs, and um, I'm forgetting the girl that died after season two, but the one that played a crew. Shannon um, Doherty. Shannon I didn't so. watch it, but I was like, wasn't Shannon Doherty? And we all, I, I mean, for those into pop culture, we all know the drama between those you know, those cast members, um, uh, and... We don't all, but that's okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll trust you. Well, uh, Alyssa Milano, uh, Shannon Doherty basically got fired from the show. Oh. Yeah. That's... I didn't like, watch the she show She was ever. not it's easy not... to work with. And Shannon Doherty and Holly Murray Combs were best friends. They okay. did not like Alyssa Milano, like... Okay. Yep. So then um, Rose McGowan comes on the show, and um, basically it's like every woman for herself. They're yeah. kind of just putting up with each other for 
six more seasons, which is ridiculous. Well, the check will make you do that, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm sure. So, Rose McGowan has been not in the spotlight for a very long time. Like, she quit Hollywood. You know, she did her thing on Charm. She was the Hollywood vixen. You know, she was in all these movies. Um, yeah. <laughs> but if you know Rose McGowan, she is um, a very hardcore feminist who um, is not afraid to voice her opinion. You know, she's in her early 40s, and recently she's um, been back in the news. She's been doing some interviews. Um, the, mo- the most recent interview I've heard of her, uh, heard from her was on RuPaul's podcast, What's the Tea? Mm-hmm. And um, she's coming out with some work. She just came out with a book. Uh, she is also coming out with, like, media on various different platforms. So, like, uh, radio. She's coming out with music. And it, it's this really multi... She has her own production company. So she's okay. trying to, like, show her versatility. But anyways, she was on an interview um, with uh, Ronan... Is that the one? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, Juju Chang, she used to be on Good Morning America. I know. I she's awesome. Her. And I'm just going to play this audio clip for her. And um, also, you have to understand Rose is very alternative. Like, in her uh, interview with RuPaul, she talked about how she grew up in a cult. And she got, um, she chose to get, um, uh, what's it called? Emancipated. Oh. Very white. Um, (laughs) She got emancipated um, before she was, you know, an adult. And then, like, ran away up to Portland and Seattle and... Okay. Yeah, I don't know. But that was her upbringing. She grew up in a cult, and she needs okay. to get away from that. So she had a really unusual life. But now, like, Rosa McGowan is very... She reminds me of Shanae O'Connor a little bit. Just, like, bald head. Oh, like, and visually. Deep voice yeah. and alternative and tries to be deep when she's Oh, like, dramatic. Dramatic. <laughs> so, um, uh, um, it's... So, um, Juju... Juju, what's her yeah, name? Yeah, her name is Juju Chan. Juju Chan. Um asked uh, Rose McGowan about Alyssa Milano, her co-star. And Alyssa Milano is still, like, in the news. She does, mm-hmm. like, shows and stuff like that. And I think she's very diplomatic. She doesn't talk ill of anybody. But Rose McGowan... Your former Charmed co-star, Alyssa Milano, gets a lot of credit for helping me to go viral. So? Are you proud of her? I don't like her. Why? Because I think she's a lie. Why? Do you think I don't know these people? I'm not looking at this from the outside. I have a lot of experience. I know she's married to CAA agent. Do the math. Who's behind Time's Up? CAA. Where do they meet? CAA. Who needs good PR? CAA who are part of the pimp problem, CAA. These are very powerful people you're talking about. They are. So am I. <sighs> so I'm going to put the link to this article in the video because the facial expressions from Rosa McGowan are so, <laughs> like, <laughs> void of any kind of emotion. Um, They're a tinge extra, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's also dramatic, too. And it, and I will also post a link to RuPaul's podcast with her interview. One thing that's so interesting is that I understand being burned. You know, mm-hmm. Rosa McGowan has a lot to say about being a woman in the entertainment industry that needs to be shown. And mm-hmm. she and what's what's really, you know awful is she's been loud about this 
for so long. She's even been loud about Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. And it took until now, and now she's just sitting back and saying, told you so. And her career suffered because she said all of that out loud. Mm -hmm. So now she's kind of back in the spotlight saying all these things. So anyways, she's been burned, but she's been burned to the point where she takes, she's gone to the extreme left, left of liberals, liberalism, and does not really have faith in humanity whatsoever. I think she is very distant from, she, she claims to be very smart and knowledgeable and whatever, and I think she does say, say some poignant things, but she is so, and off in her own little world. Um, I, I kind of feel sad for her. Yeah. You know, she has a lot of experience, but she actually still kind of acts like a child in a, in a way. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's an overly dramatic, like, I want attention kind of way. And I'm wondering if it's getting her where she thinks it's getting her. Right. You know what I mean? And then lastly, um, my boss, um, really quickly, uh, is going to go to Amara La Negra. Oh, yes, yes, um, yes, yes. Amara La Negra is a Latin um, artist. And right now she is um, in the news and part of pop culture because she's on the show Love and Hip Hop Miami alongside Trina and Trick Daddy. But um, <laughs> the reason why I'm giving her a boss is that she's bringing up a conversation on mainstream television that has not gotten enough airtime mm -hmm. whatsoever. I, I feel bad that she's going through this um, because although this is scripted reality television, these artists actually try to make deals with each other um, and make new music. But she is um, a black woman, a black Latina, dark skin like me, from um, the Dominican Republic. Mm -hmm. and she's very well known in the Latin music world and she's trying to cross over and um, she gets engaged in this conversation with Hollywood which is a, a producer well known producer and basically told her and she has an afro and she mm -hmm. loves celebrating her hair and her looks and basically that dude says okay well you know we're not really going for the afro punk style but if you you know like we, we need you to look a little bit like Beyonce um, you know, uh, be a little versatile, blah, 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 to make it into the music industry. And it, it sparked this whole chain of reactions on the show, but it also sparked um, all this great conversation in the U.S. and around the world, of course, where, I mean, colorism is live and deep, y'all. And if you think Latin people are not black, Latin people come in all shades and colors. Yep. And Afro-Latina, that's a thing. If you don't know yeah. that's a thing, re read a book. Right. Um, understand how our world has come together. Um, I mean, even in my country, Haiti, which is right next to the Dominican Republic, there are people all shades, all shades, but people don't know that. And unfortunately, Miami is a culture where, you know, uh, my friend John is Cuban. Cubans there actually think they're white. It doesn't matter what shade they are. They say they are white. Culturally, that's a thing because how money plays out with okay. Cubans and the okay. culture and all of that. And then you bring in all the other Latin cultures. It's such... The colorism is just... It is, like, deep, live, and well, right? Yeah. Um, whether you're, you know, Cuban versus Dominican versus Mex... Well, yeah, Mexican. It, it's just so live and deep. And so I'm just glad she's being... Um, it, she's being vulnerable and putting herself... Sacrificing herself, basically, to make this conversation sustainable. Because yeah. we don't talk a lot about colorism. No. No, no, no. Cool. 
All right, um, that's all we have, folks, for this week. So um, we're gonna leave you with some notes. Uh, please connect with us on our, connect with us on all our social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Um, please email us any questions, um, thoughts, concerns, whatnot, um, to our email address, which is headbosspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. All right, we will see you in a couple weeks. Bye, y'all. Bye.